0: Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Uh, good morning. How's everyone doing? Woo, good. All right. Um, so today we are talking about what Ashley just shared. Um, and so it's exciting this morning um, my voice might be a little bit drained. I was screaming my lungs out at a concert last night for a good old Mr. Sharon. Um, but you know, speaking of speaking, uh, many of you know Elva, my wife. She's Icelandic. Uh, she's from Iceland, and they speak a pretty intense language. Uh, they speak a language called Icelandic. Uh, I did a little research, and it is in a, if you group languages by how difficult they are to learn when you're coming from English, it's a tier four language. So what this means is that it is uh, like the second most different grouping of languages uh, from English. I've actually been trying to learn it now for a little over five years. Uh, They say in about 1,100 hours of instruction or practice, you should be able to be fluent in another language. So that takes about three to five years. Um, If you look at Elva's searing eyes into me right now, uh, you'll know that I have not actually really been learning for five plus years. Um, you know, I've been around it, uh, I, I talk about it, I visit the ISA multiple times a year, I hear Elvo speak it every day, I've said I want to learn it, I'm trying to learn it, but I'm not actually putting in effort of learning every day, right? There's a difference. I can say I've been learning for five years, but have I actually been learning uh, and dedicating myself to learning it? Uh, not really, right? There's a difference when sometimes we are, are, can you know, fully commit to something, or even... Uh, tell someone, you know, tell people around and tell everyone like, hey, I'm doing this or I'm really trying this new thing. I'm really committing myself to this new thing. Uh, you know, just last week I was with a friend and they were talking about how they're intermittent fasting and they don't eat anything after 6 p.m. And we were getting dinner at 7.15 as he's telling the story, you know, and I'm like, something's not really adding up here, but I'm, it's good for you. Like good, to be, you're believing that you're doing something, Right. Um, and, you know, I've been there before, like, I'll tell myself, you know what, I'm not going to drink any more sodas, because if I could, I'd have a soda in my hand 24-7, and so I won't buy any to bring home, and I'll, I'll try to do this kick and not drinking any, then I go to Chick-fil-A, I buy the combo, and no one's getting a water if you've already paid for the combo, right, so then I have to get a soda, and so I find, we find little ways to kind of, like, you know, break up that commitment, right? We've been in situations like that and then I'm sure you have actually dedicated yourself uh, committed to yourself to something. I remember when I played basketball. I didn't want to get up at 4:15 and be on the court ready to go for guard drills, and then at 2 o'clock, go lift weights, and at 3 o'clock, 3.30, go actually practice, and then at 8 p.m., watch game film six days a week for multiple years of my life, right? That was not, like, something I desired to do until I got committed and really desired to be the best basketball player I could be and be committed to, uh, we, along with this fellow groups of, of team members, to win, right? And so uh, I've seen both in my life. I've seen times of, like, Fully devoting devoting myself, committing to something, and in times where, like, I'll say I'm committing or I'll say I'm doing something, but I think we know the difference, right? Hopefully, you've seen both of those in your life. I hope you have found something that you've really committed yourself to, really dedicated your craft and your time to to, uh, really put towards a goal, and you've probably seen yourself, you know, start a diet, and then you saw a chocolate cake and was like, well, one slice won't hurt, Right? I'll get back on it after vacation. That's my favorite line. My parents use it quite a lot. Well, you're home this weekend, so, you know, we've been eating bad because you're home. Like, I live with Elva. We don't eat anything bad. You know, we we have, she keeps me on a tight strip over here, right? You know, so uh, I love the excuses we can come up with sometimes. But, uh, so how does that relate to what we're talking about today? How does, uh, you know, that, I want you to kind of pose the question, what does that look like for you in spirituality, like in your spiritual life? What does dedication look like? What does it look like to grow and to commit yourself and then to see growth from that commitment? And so we're going to look at a few points here today. We're going to look at it. We have a lot of scripture to cover, so we're going to hit some of it. We're going to hit the high points, try to dive in deeper on different uh, topics here, and, and I really pray that you're able to, to come away today with, with uh, you know, God's able to show you something with you today. So number one, a bold statement, Jesus is the Son of God. And so this is when uh, uh, Matthew 16, verse 13 says, uh, Now when Jesus came into the district of of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. All right, so who in here is a green bubble person versus a blue bubble person, right? Some of you are Android users. Some are iPhone users. Um, isn't the discussion kind of interesting, right? Like, this splits families. My dad, to his last breath, I think is going to hold on to being an Android person. We have a whole group chat, family group chat. You know who's not a part of any of it? My dad. Like, he would rather have the customizations that you get with Android than being a family group chat than this. And I thought my brother having children and grandkids and pictures getting sent would have pushed him over the edge. But no, he wants the lower quality ones that you have to send through the green bubble, you know, if, you're, if I get a text from a green bubble, I'm like, you know, they're like a narc. Like, it's corporate. I don't really want to talk to this person. I'm, like, worried that they're going to, like, rattle me about something or, like, not be fun. Uh, you know, if you're a green bubble, you're probably thinking the opposite about us, right? And, and you're a blue bubble person. You're, you're fun and great. You know, you're just great to be around. It's a powerful statement, right? It's become this thing, like, when if someone new, you meet a new friend, and they text you, and that first bubble comes, and it's green I'm automatically like, we're not going to be that close. Like, that's my first, that's my first thing. Like, if you expect this relationship to be covered at all in text, we're not going to be very close friends. You better live right next door to me. I better see you otherwise because I do not want to text you. It's a statement. It's become like, uh, kind of like this powerful statement, right? Like, you're like, and people will like embrace the identity of being a blue bubble or a green bubble person. Um, and, you know, we see in this packet passage a really like powerful and bold statement. Um, you know, you had everyone, Jesus asking like, who am I? And, and the disciples kind of start spilling off these like almost conspiracies. That, like all the new local news, everyone was saying like, well, we think he's the Elijah. We think he's a prophet. We think he's this. But He's like, you no, I want to hear what you think I am. And if you've ever been like in a classroom setting and you think you know the answer and you volunteer yourself, you're like, oh, I know the answer. And you volunteer and you're wrong. And everyone just looks at you like, bless their heart. And that's southern slang for like, this guy's not super smart. Like, he went for it, and he just missed the mark. And, you know, this is like a pretty serious moment. And and Peter boldly proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. If there was ever a time you didn't want to be wrong, this would be it. And then we see Jesus say that God has revealed this to Peter, but Peter boldly proclaimed that he believed it and he trusted in the truth. He trusted what God showed to him and he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He is the living Christ. Before we can grow spiritually, before we can even start on this journey, we have to make a statement in our lives. Our lives have to have an impact of believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you ever been around, like, a friend or a a newer person you've met, and you've kind of asked yourself that question, like, I'm not really sure if they're a Christian or not. Like, I kind of could see both ways. They've kind of, like, I've seen them in both situations, and they always seem to kind of blend in. And I think it's clear that Jesus wants you to make a bold statement, a statement that proclaims Jesus as Lord of your life. This is a statement that people should be aware of when they meet you. When they they spend time and they impact with your life, when they come and impact with your life, they should also come and impact with Jesus. We can't expect to see God move in our lives if we don't commit first that he is the author of life, the savior of the world, and the only thing that truly matters. And the point of our life is to know Jesus and to make him known. So before we get on this journey, before we can start learning what it is, before we can even, even even hear what I'm going to share later today, you have to first realize that without making a bold statement for Christ, you're not going to understand anything else here. You're not going to understand what it is to grow. You're not going to understand the sacrifice that's needed and the value that comes from the end, the reward. So number two, a heavenly mission. So verse 21 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples That he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed on the third day and be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things above, but on things of man." This is a pretty wild uh, set of verses, right? You just saw Peter who, like, fully committed to saying, like, you're the son of God. You, like, are truly the Savior. And in the next section, we see Peter go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, I don't think you really know what's going on here, Jesus. Like, this is not going to happen to you, right? But, but a couple things we see about this kind of, like, transition here is we actually are seeing a transition in Jesus' mission. It's like a new phase in what Jesus is doing. He's on a new direction now. And he's starting to share what is to come and what the disciples need to understand and prepare for. This is a new phase of Jesus' goal and mission is a march to death. We start seeing now the transition of Jesus heading to the cross. He starts making it aware to his disciples. And as we continue through Matthew, we're going to see more. Do You kind of feel it in the air when you read this. This is it. Jesus knows what is ahead. We'll see more and more signs as we go through Matthew, as we uh, approach the cross. But Jesus is letting them know now, letting his disciples know now, like, life is about to change. We've been kind of moving together and doing these missions and are doing these miracles. And and Jesus has kind of had, like, welcoming crowds everywhere he goes. And and there's a transition taking place. There's going to be a change. And and Jesus is letting his disciples know that death is ahead. It can't be taken lightly, this new phase, that the goal is now to go to the cross and and conquer death. But we see Peter, as bold as he was a few verses ago, jumps back in, which I I love uh, that Jesus just said he's like legit going to be raised from the dead. Like he just like made this like crazy statement. And Peter just goes one ear out the other. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not even going to face the pain yet. You know, I kind of think that Jesus, or excuse me, that Peter is like, he's, he's thinking in earthly terms. He's thinking like, no, we're with you, Jesus, to win we don't, the scribes are not going to win, the Pharisees are not going to win, the, the people are not going to win, we're going to come in, we're going to conquer, and they're going to see you for who you are. I, I truly think that's kind of how Peter's looking at this, like he's viewing it from earthly terms, from like a political standard, from like a humanly standard of like, what does it mean for Jesus to win? And that's not going to the cross in our eyes, it's going and showing them who he is. Like, like Peter's probably imagined like, Jesus coming in on a steed and angels flying behind him and everyone finally realizing uh, G- and, and, and praising Jesus for who he is. Almost like Jesus getting his flowers, so to speak. And, you know, those of us who've read the Bible, who knows Jesus, we know that's not how he rolls, right? And Peter's there rebuking Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is laying out what, to, what is to come what has to happen, and Peter thinks he knows better. He wanted to win. He wanted to beat the elders, the chief priests and the scribes. He wanted to beat all that talk that's saying that Jesus is not the one and wanted Jesus to have his moment. And Peter wanted to be standing right there going, this is my Jesus. But Jesus had a different mission to, fu- to succeed and to fulfill Peter had an earthly focus. You see, he was focused on the things uh, in the earthly mission. Disciples could never get behind the mission that Jesus was about to go on until they realized what that heavenly mission was. They couldn't focus on earthly things. They couldn't focus on what they really had been focusing on up to that point, like just walking with Jesus, thinking they were gonna, things were going to be gravy and they were, Jesus was going to continue and lead them to heaven, probably, so to speak, right? But instead, Jesus is saying, we have to go on this heavenly mission. We have to look to the cross. And Jesus is gearing them up for that. Sometimes we put Jesus, like, into this little box, our own nice, comfortable way of viewing and interacting with Jesus. It's almost like a earthly vision of what we want Jesus to be. Like, sometimes I can think about how I kind of make him kind of fit in what I want him to be for my, my Jesus. Like, I want him to be riding on a steed and I get to tell people about how, yeah, remember he rocked the world in Jerusalem he came in and like just conquered everything. And you put that in modern day's terms, you know, like how do we feel about our relationship with Jesus? What do we think of Jesus? Like Jesus is this guy that I'm able to kind of lean on when I need to. I'm able to kind of like talk to when I want to talk to. I'm able to glorify when I want to glorify. And Jesus is saying You can't even understand. You can't even grow with me. You can't get there until you realize that first we must look at the cross. We have to look at this death that we're going to. We have to focus on this heavenly mission, not this earthly mission. He did quite the opposite of what, realistically, probably all of us would want him to do. If we were in Peter's shoes, he asked that they not tell anyone who he is. Jesus, whose mind was on things of God, knew that death was coming, and he had to face the cross. And we see Peter who, who's like, no, don't, don't. You're not, this is not going to happen to you. You're not going to face pain. And you can imagine Jesus who's, who's living in both worlds, so to speak. He, he, he would love the excuse of not to do it, right? He knows pain is ahead. He knows death is ahead. And yet... Peter, his clo- one of his closest disciples, is saying, this is crazy. You don't need to face this. You're not going to face this. And it's out of goodness of Peter's heart. But, but Jesus rebukes it, and he knows that this is like temptation. This is the easy way out. And Jesus' mind is solely focused on what God wants for him, solely focused on God's mission, on the heavenly goal, and that is to go and defeat and conquer death. Conquering sin by defeating death. He rebukes the easy way out. He rebukes this temptation to to make things uh, an easier way, so to speak, an earthly way, so to speak. Right? Jesus is fully focused on heaven, the heavenly mission, and the only way that's possible is by removing the earthly view. And so we have to make a bold statement before we can even consider viewing and understanding and getting behind this heavenly mission, once we, we clarify that God, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is our Savior, then we start to learn that our mission changes. We're no longer focused on earthly success. We're no longer focused on earthly desires. Instead, we must learn to focus on the heavenly mission. And Jesus is having to realistically share this and teach this to his disciples, saying like, first you need to understand that I am the Son of God. I need you to say that to me. I need you to make that statement. And then once you make that statement, we have to realize our brain, our our minds have to transition into this heavenly mission. Because Jesus knows what he's about to tell them next. And what he's about to tell them next is not an easy thing to hear. In verse 24, he says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man in his kingdom. Across to death and glory sounds pretty, pretty fun, right? Sounds almost like a movie title, I think. Like, almost like a, like, oh, is this like a fun time? Like, oh, across to death and glory, right? It's a little bit different when we view it in, in the, the way that Jesus is portraying this, when we understand what Jesus is asking his disciples. What he's asking you to partake in. I like how it's set up, how Jesus first asked them to verify, to confirm, to confess, to make this statement that he is the Lord. Then he rebukes the earthly viewpoint, rebukes the way that all of them were probably thinking, and says, This is a new way of thinking. And this is why. This is how we get to this point. Before we can experience Jesus' glory, we must first experience the cross. Jesus is telling the disciples the path to life, for their soul is first through death of their life. We see here, for for whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus is literally and physically showing the example of what it is to take up the cross to death. Death so that you can triumphantly live in God's glory. This is a picture of what we must take place to become saved, but even more so, it's a daily calling, right? I I like it's almost like a dual-sided, like, you have to confess your sins. You have to understand that Jesus is Lord, you have to believe in that, and then you have to go to death with your life. But this is something that Jesus is saying is a recurring thing. This is a daily, a daily practice, right? It's not something, a one-and-done t- type of thing. Why is it so much easier in our day-to-day life to go watch a movie, to binge a show, to, to spend our time on our job, or to our, these friends, or, or going to do our favorite hobby, than it is sometimes just reading the Bible or getting our, our in, a, in a mindset uh, of time with God. You know, Josh spoke last week about how valuable time with God is, about how we can experience the sweetness and the goodness of God. And yet on a daily basis, we will choose almost anything than God. I think if I asked everyone in this room, I think if I asked everyone who's a Christian, if I asked the easy question of like, Oh, would you rather uh, your soul be alive or dead? Would you rather have a fruitful life or a, uh, a, a terrible life? All of you, I would hope, would say that you want a lifeful and beautiful soul and you want to live a, a, a successful and a wonderful life. You want there to be a reason, there be a, 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 an impact in your life in the do, do ways. When you think about it from a spiritual standpoint, like, do you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? Do you want to live a life that is fruitful, embracing, and walking with God? I think most people would say, absolutely, that sounds great. Like, what can I do? And, and we lay out these lists, like, this is the things you can do. And we're like, yeah, we'll do them. We accept them. We accept the terms and conditions. And then we're, we so easily walk away and get distracted. I, I'm preaching to myself here. You know, it's always so easy to just get distracted, to not really dedicate ourselves, and the whole time be convincing ourselves that we are. You know, I can convince myself I'm still trying to learn Icelandic because I hear Elva say a word every now and then, and I'll I'll call something out before she says it, and she's like, "Ooh, good job! You got you know you knew what chair meant." I don't know what chair means. And you know, it's easy to like convince myself that, wow, I'm, I'm learning Icelandic. I'm doing a good job. I got her mom was impressed one time because I said, a, I knew what she was saying when she said a sentence. You know, I go to church on Sunday. I've read my Bible. Um, I prayed one time. Someone told me I, I knew, knew a verse one time that they didn't know. And then they were like, wow, good job. And it's so easy to convince myself that I'm actually. Growing that I'm actually like portraying, but am I actually dedicating myself and seeing the fruitfulness, the beautiful life that God is trying to establish for me? Like, do we understand what he's saying? Saying, this is your life until death. Everyone knows that when you start carrying that cross, it's visible. You've made a stand. You've made a statement that Jesus is the Son of God. You have put away the earthly desires. You have accepted that your life no longer belongs to you. This is a a life-changing commitment that has to affect your day-to-day life. It's not something we can take lightly. If we take... Our salvation if we say that we're a follower of Christ and yet we're not dedicating any of our time our resources our skills our desires nothing to that it, it, and or if we're just doing the the minimum are we truly committed to following Christ are we truly committed to finding growth are we truly committed to spiritually growing All of this you have traded for the promise of salvation and life in God's glory. Like, is it worth it to you? He says in the scripture here, God is going to repay each of us according to our works. Are we getting better daily? Can you look at your life and think, man, my faith has continually grown. I can look over the past few years. I can see how God has impacted me. I can see how God has used me to impact others around me. I can see growth. I'm, I'm needing so much more from Jesus now than I was three years ago because I am so more in, involved. I'm so spiritually hungry for more. God has allowed me and used me to, to, to bring others to know him. God has used me to, to learn more and to share more and to teach more. I'm more relying on God now. I trust him more with things. If you talked to me a few years ago, I'm a different person spiritually. You know, if I truly dedicated myself starting tomorrow, spending an hour, two hours a day studying Icelandic, and I stuck with it three years from now, four years from now, I could probably be a really good Icelandic speaker. Well, I could probably understand Icelandic really well, but some of them words are quite hard to say. Can you imagine if you truly looked at your life and truly dedicated everything, saying everything comes under Christ. Before I think about how much time I'm going to spend on my job, before I think about, is this show worth binging? Before I think about, are these friends worth me developing relationships with? Before I think about my finances, before I think about any of these things, do I think, am I dedicating myself to Jesus? Am I spending time? Am I growing spiritually? Am I testing that my faith? Am I stepping out in my faith? Am I taking leaps, hoping Jesus is going to catch me? Or am I just walking very comfortably, very passively saying, well, someone else is going to answer who Jesus is. I can, I can repeat some of the things I've heard. I can repeat that he's a prophet. He's one of these things, but, but someone else is going to step up. The pastor's going to step up and say this. The, the teacher's going to step up and say this. And you know, I, I, I believe in God. I accept the God and I'm okay where I'm at. If someone walked in here right now and said, If you follow me, you're gonna die. Do you think you could walk up and say, All right, I'll kind of like trot behind you, like we'll kind of see what's up. I'll, I'll, I'll pass, I'll kind of follow, I'll be like in your aurora, I'll be like around, you know? That's a call of dedication, that's a call of commitment. And how easy is it for us to forget that commitment? We have so many things going on today, so many things in our lives. We see friends, we see colleagues, we see people who are followers of Christ, and we kind of see how they live their life, and we're like, well, we're, like, doing pretty well. I don't see anywhere in here that Jesus says, like, hey, like, look for someone doing pretty well, and, like, compare your faith to that. He doesn't say, I'm going to the cross, you guys kind of do your thing, He's setting them up early because he knows that, that pain is ahead, death is ahead, and they need to be fully committed for what's to come. I can look at my life and admit it's taken hits. Things have happened that have thrown me off track, good and bad. I can see in my life when I was locked in step, I was leaping, so to speak. I was fully relying on God in everything I did. And then things have happened in my lives where my focus drifts, I get caught up in either failures or successes in the world. And all of this is taken away from the goodness and the sweetness and the beautiful soul-lifting life that God wants for you. You're asking yourself daily, what is my time worth? That's a question you ask yourself every day. Is it worth me going to work this morning? Is it worth going to school this morning? Is it worth hanging out with these friends? We have this conversation all the time, Elva and I. Every time Josh and Sarah ask us, like, hey, do y'all want to go play a board game? We're like, is it worth our time going to play a board game with them? Right? Every day you're asking yourself, like, is it worth my time to do X? Some of it's short-term. Did I have fun that night? Some of it's like, is it worth going to the gym? Is it worth eating right? Is it worth having that beautiful soda? Is it worth praying today? Is it worth uh, taking time alone today? Is it worth reading and learning more? Is it worth memorizing a verse? Is it worth waking up to go to church? Is it worth serving on a church team, on a service team? Is it worth going to small group? Is it worth any part of my life gaining value? Am I going to see the value, the worth of spending time with God? I can tell you that there's nothing better than choosing Jesus. If you listed everything that you got these millionaire ideas, you got these successful ideas, you got these... Uh, fun ideas, and you listed them all up and said, what is worth the most of my time? Where is value going to come from? I can tell you every single time with everything that is in me, Jesus is worth more. I love a lot of things. I I love doing a lot of different things, and I I find value in in a lot of different ways, and I can tell you that Jesus, every time I look back and I think, "Where when I spent my time trying my best, committing myself, sacrificing so that my life would have value spiritually, my life would make an impact, and that Jesus would take over, it's always been worth it. Every day, Jesus is worth it. He's worth giving up everything in your life. Everything is nothing without Jesus. A successful life is a life that's given up. A successful life is a life that's given to Jesus' cause, to his heavenly mission. We're making that statement. We're making the bold statement that Jesus is Lord. And if you make that statement, then you have to realize there's a heavenly mission. When you believe in Jesus, when you understand that there is more to life, when God loves you, He is your Savior, and He wants more for you, and He shows you these things that are earthly, He shows you these things that are heavenly, and He says, this is worth more, but to get here, you have to give up your life. You have to face the cross before you can face God's glory. I can tell you it's worth it. I think there's plenty of people in here who you can ask who will tell you it's worth it. We have to pick up our cross daily. We have to die to ourselves our desires every day. Every day, it's going to be so much easier to choose something that you just want to do. When I played basketball, I did not want to wake up at 3.55 so I could have my laces on, be stretched, and be on the court at 4.15. Actually, 4.05, because bulldog time was 10 minutes before the actual time. There was nothing fun about that. But if I look back in those terms of what the, the, the growth I found in that term and the basketball term and like committing and discipline, it was worth it. How much more is your spiritual life worth than something that is a hobby? When I think about how I've, if I've given up vacation time or if I've given up just time in my day or if I've given up years of my life serving God then it's all been worth it. And I have to tell myself that every day. If I don't I go and turn on the TV I forget about reading my Bible. I forget about praying that day. I forget about seeing what does God have for me. Ashley this morning said leave time in your day like where the Holy Spirit can like work. Find time in your day where, where God can work in your day. Like how often are we going and praying going God I have been studying, God, I have been praying, God, I have been relying on you, and God, I want you to put an opportunity in my life where I can jump and pray that you'll catch me. If we want to experience God's glory, if we want to be, uh, experience life with Jesus, we first must deny our lives, kill our desires, give up what we have for Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.